chapter 9. Lord, you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Let's give a great hand clap of praise unto the Lord in this house tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remain standing with me for a moment um, before Brother Dowdy comes tonight. It's just a, a mandatory uh, announcement I need to make on the 20th Tuesday night at 6.30. 20th Tuesday night at 6.30, we will have a business meeting here in the main sanctuary. It will just be about five or ten minutes max. And uh, so all that that applies to. Praise God. We're so glad tonight to have uh, such a precious a couple with us, brother and sister Dowdy. Um, there, there's just a short list of people that I, of of men and women of God that I esteem as highly as I do them, and uh, I have the utmost respect for them, and I honor them tonight, love them, and appreciate them. And uh, you know, you gotta have. I've been very selective with uh, my influences, and um, I thank God for them. I thank God for them. And uh, the Lord allowed us to connect some years ago. And uh, I love Brother and Sister Dowdy so very much. And uh, we love Apostolic Center. Um, he doesn't need an introduction, but we love them. We appreciate them. He's going to bring the word of the Lord tonight. And uh, I told him, I said, I didn't preach very long this morning, so you can go ahead and preach real long tonight. So uh, you are stuck. Amen. Now he's going to bring the word of the Lord and we're going to receive the word of the Lord. And we're going to respond to the word of the Lord. Praise God. And God's going to move in this house tonight. And I believe somebody can walk away from an encounter with God tonight differently than the way that you came. Praise God. If you want to touch from the Holy Ghost, chains are about ready to break. There's about to be a move of the Holy Ghost in somebody's life in this house tonight. If you desire a move of the Holy Ghost, would you lift up your hands and lift up your voice one more time to the Lord and just tell him that, God, I want you to pour it out on me tonight. I want you to pour out your spirit in this house. Pour it out on my life in the name of Jesus. God, I give you permission to do whatever you want to do in my life tonight. Lord, I'll receive what you have to say and I'll respond to what you want me to do in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Praise Praise God. Praise God. Brother Dowdy, come. Bring the word of the Lord. We love you. We honor you tonight. We're going to receive what the Lord has for us in the house of the Lord tonight. Don't be too enthusiastic. Uh, maybe, maybe you'll clap if I tell you I, I'm not preaching long. I, uh, I preach my stature. Just let that sink in just a little bit. Praise God. I was driving into town and I saw the Chesapeake house. And that's the first time I think I ever came to minister some nine years ago, nine, eight, nine, ten years ago. And uh, what a connection that God gave us with the Herod family. And uh, actually, uh, Brother Nathan Herod had come and preach for us and we were an hour and a half apart. And when he got done, I said, where have you guys been? Only an hour and a half away. 
but God's timing is perfect. And I'm thankful for the connection to this church, your amazing uh, pastor and his wife. They are incredible people, used of God beyond their years. And I'm thankful that you honor them and love them. And then, of course, the bishop and uh, uh, the bishop and his wife, they're just not kinder, nicer people. And uh, we love them and appreciate them. And uh, I'm just honored to be here tonight. I'm always thankful to have my, my beautiful bride with me some 32 plus years. We've been boyfriend and girlfriend and uh, we plan on keeping it just that way. But I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing here. And I really believe that I have a word for us tonight in this service. Will you help me preach? Yes. Praise God. Amen. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to preach. Amen. So I'm going to lose a little bit more hair and my face is going to get red and I may blow a vein or two. But I'm, I'm wanna, I want to preach to us. I want to preach to us. There is, there is such a future in this church. And uh, we're seeing the fruit of a lot of it. But when I saw these first few rows uh, of what God is doing, uh, there's a tremendous future that's here. But prophecies are conditional. Prophecies are conditional. And I'm going to give you a word tonight, but it's conditional. You say, well, how, well, wait a minute. If God says it, isn't it true? Well, he told Moses, he said, I'm going to take you in a land that flows with milk and honey. And they got a desert for 40 years. And God had to wait for a whole nother generation. God has brought this church to this place several times in its history. And I feel such promise upon this church and upon its people. And you're going to look back one day and, and you're going to realize if you make the right decisions and choices, and that goes for every young man here and every young woman and every elder that's sitting out in this yes. place tonight. I, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. times hallelujah that's why we grow and God purges and we grow and God takes out the the tares and we grow and God separates the goats from the sheep I realize that process is always going to have a certain place but uh Somewhere that's somewhere we, we've got to flow in what everything all that God is doing. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of what God is doing here. The book of first Samuel. The book of first Samuel. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read long. Doesn't mean I'm gonna preach long, but I am gonna read long because I want you to understand uh, where I'm going tonight. First Samuel, the 17th chapter, and we'll start at verse 54. 
And uh, not until the 13th century did we have chapter and verse. These things were just long letters, long writings that took place. And so when we talk about chapter and verse, it's not always just stopping with a certain idea, but there's some that lead into the next, what we would call chapter. But this didn't happen until the 13th century. And, uh, but let me, let me read. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. And when Saul saw that David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. And the king said, Inquire thou whose son this stripling is. And, da and as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son art thou, thou young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse the Bethlehemite. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him, everyone say took him, took him that day and would not or would let him go no more home to his father's house. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it, everyone say gave it, to David and his garments, even to his sword, to his bow, and to his girdle. And then I'm going to paraphrase because like I said, I don't want to take a lot of time, but the Bible says that David went out whithersoever Saul sent him. And David had so many victories that the scripture tells us that the women of the city would come out singing and dancing to meet Saul and the army with David saying, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. And of course, we know that Saul wasn't happy with that. He was very wroth and angry. The saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. What can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward, and it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand as other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Twice. I, uh, I want to preach tonight for just a few moments on this subject. Are you a giver or are you a taker? Are you a giver? Or are you a taker? And uh, I believe the Lord is going to help us tonight, and we're just going to see what he's going to do. Lord Jesus, we love you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. Lord, your hand is truly upon them. Lord, we feel the touch of God. We ask you now to minister to every heart and every life. 
I pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Amen. I want you to turn around, shake someone's hand, and tell them you're a lot better looking than the last time I saw you. It is, <laughs> it is David that is on the backside of the hill taking care of the sheep. And unknown to him, there is a prophet at his house. And he is going through a line of seven sons of Jesse, because Samuel has been sent there to anoint a king. Of course, you know the story. Samuel goes through each son, and finally after he goes through a couple times, two or three times, he, he decides, you know what, we need to do this again, but is there, are you sure you don't have another son? And they send for David, and David comes running over the horizon, and there... Uh, Samuel uh, sees David and he knows there's the man, there's the young man that God wants to be king of Israel. I, uh, I have said many times, uh, just because God anoints you doesn't mean, uh, doesn't mean that it gives you an excuse not to go back to work in the kingdom. David is anointed king, but God sends him back as a shepherd. And he continues to watch the flock until Israel is in battle against the Philistines. And of course, in the valley of Elah and, and Israel's armies on one side and David's armies on the other side. And I've had the opportunity to stand in that valley. It's not very far. No wonder Israel could hear Goliath's challenge every day for 40 days. But David is sent by his father. And David is to bring bread and cheese, if you will, to his brothers. And David gets there and he hears the challenge of Goliath. And of course, uh, hopefully you know the story. It isn't long until David is saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is defying the armies of the living God? And uh, of course, uh, he's uh, tried to be quieted down by his brothers and pretty soon Saul hears of it. And of course, now David is now, after his encounter with Saul, he's at the brook and he's taking five smooth stones, his sling, his staff, his script, and he goes before Goliath and God guides the stone of David and it sinks into the forehead of Goliath and he falls. And this king that has no sword of his own grabs the sword of Goliath and chops off the head of the giant. And now I'm reading to you about Saul and David's view and what happens next. The Bible tells us that Saul begins to ask, 
whose son is this? And four or five times he asked, whose son is this? If you remember back, David had already been brought to play in the court of Saul. David had all already in scripture will find was an armor bearer to Saul. It's speaking to the nature of Saul. Why would Saul ask whose son he is? It's because it was going to cost Saul something. Are you going to stay with me? I'm, I'm trying to lay just a good foundation. So, so uh, <laughs> what was it that Saul had promised? He said, whoever kills this giant, he said, I'm going to give them, some, I'm going to give them riches. And he said, their father's house, I'm going to forgive any debt. I'm going to make his house free. And then I'm going to give him my daughter to be married. Now, the, the first two I can understand that I mentioned tonight. The third one, I'd have to find out what she looked like. They started with, she's got a good personality. I'm checking out. Hallelujah. Praise God. I tell all our young men, I said, marry somebody ugly. It'll keep you praying and humble. You'll learn how to fast. <laughs> it's going to cost him something. Why? Because Saul is a taker. Saul is a taker. The Bible says that it came when they had spoke to each other. And the Bible tells us that Saul took him that day. He took David. That was his nature. That's who he was. He just was a taker. But this is the nature of kings. This is no surprise. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, Samuel tells Israel, you want a king? This is what kind of king. In, in, in your carnal nature, God wanted to be their king and he was going to come as a king. But they stepped outside God's timeline and the way God was trying to set things up. And they said, no, we want us a king. And he said, okay, that king will take your sons and that king will take your daughters and that king will take your vineyards and that king will take your fields and that king will take your livestock, your sheep, your donkeys, your camels, your oxen. That kind of king is going to be a taker. What is a taker? Not reading a text message, but I want to tell you <laughs> what, 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 I, what I read and what I, what I saw here. What are takers? Takers are self-focused kind of people. They put their own interests ahead of others' needs. They try to gain as much as possible from their interactions while contributing as little as they can in return. Saul was a taker. I want to do as little as I can, but I want to take everything that I want. But we see that 
David, as he spoke to Saul, there's another person that's introduced in this 18th chapter. We've read about him before, but his name is Jonathan. And Jonathan looks at David and something happens to the soul of Jonathan. There's something more than just a meeting. There's something that is spiritual that is taking place. I cannot help but feel, not just because I'm here, but I believe that God has set us up for this moment and this time. I believe that there's some things that are precedent that can be set. And the Pentecostals at Springfield tonight that will propel us to the future. God is trying to knit our souls together for a common purpose. Saul was a taker, but David had always been a giver. And Jonathan had to make a choice. Am I going to be like my daddy? Am I going to be like the generations before me? And I'm just a taker. And to see what I can get out of what I can get out of what I can get out of what is happening. Or is there something that's happening in my spirit that is bigger than me? That goes beyond my heritage. It goes beyond my lineage and my life. There's something about David that makes me want to give. He said, I'm a, I'm going to, I've got to make a choice here. Am I going to be a taker or am I going to be a giver? And Jonathan's soul is knit. And I know that there are those that try to take this out of place in the hour that we live in. This isn't about one man loving another man as far as in a homosexual relationship. Get that out of your mind. This is about souls being knit. Amen. It's from Leviticus 19, 18 that says, love thy neighbor as thyself. Hey man, I'm telling you what, we're all in this together. We're, we're not to be divided. We're to be together. Now God will divide us if he has to, to bring unity, but I'd rather us all get on the same, get on the same page, get on the same boat, get on the same train and let the yapping dogs yap because the train is on its way to where God wants to bring us. So I'm a, my soul is knit. My soul is knit with him. And I want you to know the Bible says that Jonathan said, I'm going to enter in covenant with you. Now, I thought this was interesting that he was going to enter covenant and I believe that God wants to enter into covenant with us tonight. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, the Lord spoke to me this week. And I, I believe he gave me a word for this church. And like I said, I'm not going to preach long. If you come, if you come just expecting a, a, a long sermon, I, I hate to disappoint you tonight. But I am going to preach until the Lord releases me to say what I need to say. They... They got in covenant. Now, what was interesting about this covenant? What was interesting about this covenant is the fact that David had nothing to offer Jonathan. Jonathan had everything to offer David. 
Notice the Bible says Jonathan gave his robe. Jonathan gave, I mean, David didn't have his own sword to cut off the head of Goliath. Gave him his bow. <laughs> he gave him his girl. He said, I'm not going to fuss with you. I'm not going to fight with you. We're going to be in covenant. David said, I don't have anything to offer you. Your daddy hasn't given me one thing. In fact, all I found is that he took me. But Jonathan said, I want to be in covenant with you because there's something in your spirit that is bigger than a taker. All I've ever seen my daddy do was take. In chapter 13, he took the role of the priest of his own house instead of waiting for the man of God. In 1 Samuel 7, 15, he did not destroy every Amalekite. Why? Because Saul is a taker. I'm going to tell you something. God has seen something in the Pentecostals of Springfield. This is a defining moment. This is our hour. 2023 is our year. I'm not saying God hasn't done anything in the past, but you just hold on. God's looked at a group of people and said, I want to take them to a place. I want to take them to a covenant. I want to, I want to get in covenant with them. Somebody said, I don't have anything to offer God. You just hold Hold on a minute. God is fixing to do something big in your world. I don't know how, I don't know how far I'll get, but let's just see what the Lord will, would say. What are givers? Givers are others focused. They tend to provide support to others with no strings attached. They ask, how can I add value to the church or to my brother or my sister? What can I contribute? Are you a taker or are you a giver? I love this man praying for me. He hears from God. I want this man praying for me. He hears from God. But these men don't pray so you think they hear from God. These men pray so that you can hear from God. Hallelujah. I just, uh, just pray for me, Bishop. Just pray for me. That's a taker. Why, why not pray for somebody else? Why not pray for the bishop and the pastor and their families? I'm just, I'm just talking to us before I get to where I need to go. What about worship? We got this praise team up here. They're worshiping. Amen. Brother Marsh and the sisters. I almost wanted to break into all by myself. All by myself. And then we had the boy band in towards the back. And everybody's working hard. And so, I mean, we're up here, we're sweating, and some people are just going. Oh, I know you're enjoying it. You, you don't want dead church. You're just, you're just not willing to participate. You're not willing to give. When's the last time you gave 
a praise of all your might. When's the last time you praised him when it didn't seem like the right kind of time, but you said, I'm going to praise you anyhow. Come on, when did you get a David spirit in you that said, I'll bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'm tired of half-hearted praise. Someone said, well, that's emotional. Emotion is what he loves. He loves my praise with all my might. Shout with a voice. Come on, in this season, this ought to be the time I gave my best. This ought to be the time I praised him. Everything that's in me. You know why young people learn to sit and not worship? Because they see mom and dad do it. And grandma and grandpa not do it. You want a generation of worshipers? a worshiper anytime I saw Nixon just sitting there not doing anything I'd walk over from where I was I would grab him by the hand and say boy this is how we do it in church this is how we you know why I'm not going to make them be takers givers I'm telling you, we're, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to say it again. We're at a pivotal point. God has set everything in place. There is not one person under the sound of my voice that God has not set you here for a purpose and a reason. But just like he didn't allow the children of Israel to enter into the promised land, he said, I'll wait a generation. And I'm going to tell you, we need to be givers. Givers in our prayer life. Givers in our worship. And we need to be givers of our finance. Now, I'm not telling you, this ain't a mystery to me. I know I'm at the giving service. I think I did this five years ago or whatever. I'm going to tell you just a little bit now. Now, it may take me a little longer. But I'm telling you, God began to deal with me about this church and the building that's coming along the way. The bishop and I started talking a little bit during service, and uh, he told me a few things. And and I said, well, I I believe I've got a word, and I think you mentioned a million, and that's what the Lord talked to me. And I believe in this church that that mortgage can be met by one time a year offering beyond the tithes and offering. If you had to borrow a million, I know you said, but I mean, we need to start getting ready because if we don't have to borrow for this one, when you build the five or $6 million building that God's going to bless you with. Hey, this ain't my church. I'm not the one saying it. I'm, 
God is conditioning us to bring us to that place. And, and here's, here's, here, here, here's the story. We were on 9th Street in Mattoon. I don't know if you've ever driven. Have you ever been to the old church? Never been there. It was half the size. It was 40 by 70. My platform at Apostolic Center is twice its size. I could take two of those churches and set them on my platform. That's where we were. It's much smaller. How wide is this? 75? Well, you're as long, you're as wide as we were long. If it's 75 by 75, my Lord, you're double what we were. And I'm going to tell you something. We could not pay our bills. Do you hear me? <laughs> I'm going I'm to I'm push your faith just a little bit. We had one person in our church that made $100,000 a year back in 98, 99. Might have made $100,000 a year. And the Lord spoke to my father and I and we said, we got to build. And some, 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 some said, why build when we can't really afford to build? And I said, God will provide. If he tells us to build, he'll pay for it. My dad would always say, somebody's going to come and give us a million dollars. Well, I was thankful for the person that was going to come a million dollars. I haven't shook his hand yet. But I started praying, God, do you want to give us a million? But I said, I, I don't want someone to catch me a fish and give it. I want to teach people how to catch fish. Because there's coins in those mouths. So we had one man that made no millionaires in the church. And, and they said, I don't know how we're going to fall. I said, build or die. I said, how many times are we going to come to the same place? Come on, I'm just telling you what the Lord talked to. You're at that place. How many times are we going to do this? How many times spiritually are you going to do Come on, we don't make a hundred mistakes. We make the same mistake a hundred times. How many times is God going to have to, we got to watch another generation? And so we started giving. <laughs> giving. We didn't have much. We didn't have a large congregation. We didn't have a lot of folks that were able to give much, but everybody started sacrificing. People started giving. And the first, I'm telling you, <laughs> we started giving and so God started blessing. But that wasn't enough. Then about 17 years ago, we decided we're going to pay for our, our mortgage once a year. Saved us, you'll understand this, it saved us $27,000 the first year and we knocked four years off of our mortgage. I mean, that's not impressive to you, but it sure meant $27,000 was a lot to us. And God said, there's 120 units of $1,000. It's sitting in this place. 
Can I tell you over the last 17 years that now sitting in our congregation, not people from the outside, the people from the inside, on a normal Sunday, you'll see seven millionaires You can say, I don't know if that has anything really to do with giving. You can't convince me. And I'm telling you, I feel that same kind of blessing here. I feel like God is getting ready to do something big for you if you can trust him. I expect it one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, thank you. Seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12. Hey, this isn't about me. It's about your future. Listen, God wants to make covenant with you when you can't offer him anything but your praise. Now here's what happens. And I felt it. And I, now I got to deal with it. I'm not going to make you as happy as what I thought, maybe. Notice, God brings us into the throne room. Saul and David were in the throne room at the same time. Right? What was in Saul's hand? A javelin. Every time we read about Saul in the throne room, he's got a spear. Ready to kill any move of God. Ready to destroy any future. Didn't matter about the victories that David had bought. He said, I, I want to kill him. There's some folks sitting here tonight. You got a spear in your hand. I'm trying to preach the spear out of your hand. The very thing you're trying to kill is the very thing that's going to give you life and prosperity. And I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I am telling you this. When you trust God and believe in God, God answers every prayer. Every time we find Saul, he's throwing javelins. And that's why you're, you face opposition. It's not, it's not because you're not doing the right things, Bishop. It's not because you're not doing the right things, Pastor, and elders and, and ministers that are here. It's not because you're, you're doing the wrong things with the music, Sister Katie. No, 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 no. What's it going to cost me? So therefore, I got to shoot at the music, and I got to throw at the youth pastor, and I got I to gotta kill the ones that are blessed, and, and then say they, 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 they don't really deserve what they got. And so we, we, we find those that are just throwing javelins. Saul, God wants to take the spear out of your hand. And replace a spear with a scepter. When we find David, he's always got a scepter of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Whether that's singing or playing or writing a song or preaching a sermon or being in the street of Jerusalem as the Give me Genesis 49. 
Remember, what tribe was David from? What tribe was he from? No, Saul was from Benjamin. Good guess, though. Close. Judah. What does Judah mean? What does it mean what? Praise. Praise. Give me Genesis 49, verse 8. 49. 49 like Robbie's age. No, I'm teasing. 49. Four, there it is. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies, and thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Verse 9. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couches a lion. And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? Verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. The praiser, the worshiper in his giving with his voice, with his hands. Nor lawgiver from between his feet till Shiloh. This is a reference of the Messiah. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. God gave me a specific word for this church. God wants to take the spear out of some folks' hands and put in their hand a scepter of worship, a scepter of praise that says, God, I can trust you for anything. God, I can give more than expected. God, I can do something big because you've given me authority don't you realize your praise gives you an authority your praise gives you a place your worship speaks in the spirit world God's going to take the spirit of the spear out of this church and give it a scepter of praise. You got to embrace it. You got to get a hold of it. You got to say, that's me. Come on, don't be a taker. Be a giver. Praise him like you mean it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to raise a generation of praisers. 
I'm not going to raise a generation of takers. Come on, let, 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 let it happen. Let it break loose. Come on, you've had the spirit too long in your hand. Holy Ghost! Holy Ghost! Hallelujah. I'll tell you what I wish. I'll tell you what I wish I had. I wish I had brought a spear. And I wish I had brought a scepter. And as the spear and the scepter, I would have put the scepter in your right hand and the spear in your left hand for every man in this church. And I'm dealing with men now. Because most of our women are leading the worship. I'd like to give every man here a spear and a scepter. And ask the question, which one are you going to let go of? Are you going to hold on to that spear? Or are you going to let go and let go of that scepter? Are you going to be like a Josh? Ask for me and my house. Every blessing's going to flow from God. And God is in her covenant with me. Come on. I wonder who would worship with me tonight. I wish somebody just, you've held on the spear so long, it feels like it's claimed your hand. Throw it down and be a worshiper. It doesn't care what you've done in the past. Come on, I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to be a praiser. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm putting down the spear. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. It's here. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord right now. I think whatever you need to take, you can do. Somebody lift your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost. Right now, something is shifting in the Holy Ghost in this church right now. If, you have, if you're hungry for God, you better get in this altar right now. There's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that's happening. There's something that's going to shift in this place right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Ala roye ala rasata kayala bahata Ikata yala la boho sodololo boko ye Yala bahasata yala ramanda rababaka yala la bahata Yololo bo rasaye
just going to throw this out there tonight. In a few moments, we're going to give uh, our Christmas offering, and that money doesn't stay here. That money's going to go out to uh, a, a church planter and partly to a conference that uh, is for church planters here in North America. Um, that aside, we'll bring that in a moment, and I know you've prepared to give for that, and we do that every year. Um, up until up until uh, March of 2020, when Brother Nichols came, um, this church existed as long as I had was privy to the information, and probably a long time before that. Uh, at around thirty or forty thousand dollars in the general account, it just kind of would up and down. That's kind of where we existed as a church. After Brother Nichols came and this church responded in giving to the building program, as it is right now, when you lump it all together, general fund, building fund, we are seventeen thousand dollars shy of a half a million dollars that the church has. Now you're talking about the history of the church and in the last two and a half years have gone from that amount. I'm telling you, God's taken us somewhere. And I talked about this, I don't know, I don't know, three or four months ago, four or five months ago, something about that, something like that. And I challenged this church, okay, you've given your tithe and, and you, you throw a few bucks in the offering. Why don't you put God on a percentage so when you get blessed, the kingdom of God gets blessed. It gets a raise. It's on a percentage. It's not just like the offering, what I decide to do. And I'm telling you, if somebody will hear the word of the Lord tonight, God's going to take us. If God can take us to a half a million, he can take us to a million. And if God can take us to a million, he can take us to 1.5 million. And then he can take us to 2 million. God, what God has started in the last, in the last two and a half years is never happened in the his 76, 77 years history of this church. We are at, we are at, we are at the threshold of stepping into what God has promised us he's going to do. And the blessing of God is not going to run out. Now, I know you're going to give your offering to Christmas, and, and that's going to go out of here, but somebody needs to hear the word of the Lord and hear the prompting of the Holy Ghost. God, there's a, there's, and the Lord's just throwing it out there. He's just throwing it out there and seeing who will grab a hold of it by faith. When Brother Nichols was here, he, if you remember, he looked at Brother Austin, who was on the base, and he said, you remind me of this guy that makes da-da-da-da-da-da-da. He said, I'm not saying whatever. That just, you just remind me of that guy. Well, his faith grabbed a hold of that. And God has begun to do some stuff. It's not that God can't do it. It's just, where is my faith? Do I believe the word of God? Am I willing to do what God wants me to do? And there are folks in here that God, God, God is going to bless. We're going to see the greatest blessing in this generation that this church has ever seen. 
We can keep our money if we want to, or we can give it to Jesus like the lad did. Five loaves and two fish. But when Jesus was, was done dividing the loaves and the fishes, that little lad didn't have enough room to take home to his mom all of the, the, the fragments of the blessing that God did. God is going to bless this church like he has never blessed it before in its history. But we've got to obey the Holy Ghost. And the Lord is speaking to some folks in this room right now about your offering giving, about your financial giving. If you will obey the Holy Ghost, I'm talking about outside of what we're going to give here right now going forward. If you will obey the Holy Ghost, you're going to see an increase like you've never seen before because when you give, it shall be given. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? God is going to do it. Somebody lift up your hands and give God praise in this house right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What God is doing is unprecedented right now. Hallelujah. We're going to respond to the Holy Ghost. We're not going to miss the window of time. God is not obligated to hang around and hang around and hang around and give us a chance and give us a chance and give it. We, we've preached grace so much that we don't believe in a window of opportunity anymore. But I feel an urgency in my spirit tonight that, it, that, there, are, that there are individuals here under the sound of my voice that the window is closing. The window is closing. And I feel the angels of the Lord in this house right now. The window is closing. And you can brush it off and 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 neglect it. But the window is going to close. God's going to move on. I'm not going to let God pass me by. I don't care what the reason or what the excuse may be, what my hangups may be. Somebody love the Lord right now. We're going to move in just a moment. But let's just thank the Lord and love him tonight. Lord, we receive the word of the Lord in this house. I'm going to be a giver. I'm not going to be a taker. I'm going to be the head and not the tail. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to share with you how our story began when we started sacrificially giving. It wasn't that we had a lot to give, but we gave what we had. I had my grandmother's furniture, and it wasn't the particle board kind of furniture. It was the wood, the good substance furniture. So I took and I started selling things that I thought we could do without. We could live without a bed. My kids could live without a bed. So I sold Ripley's. It was my grandmother's to my mother to me, and then Ripley, we gave it to her. We sold her bedroom furniture because I could get some money out of that. Then I thought, well, I'll sell Nixon's bed too. 
And I got some money out of that to make our commitment that first year. We gave it to the Lord. Our kids started not just seeing what we were doing, but they lived it. They lived sacrifice because all I had were some Rubbermaid boxes and I put the baby mattress that I had left from a crib. I put that on there for Nixon and Ripley slept on the floor. We made her a pallet. They did that for months until a rummage sale and I was able to, I was passing by and the people gave me a day bed, didn't even have all the screws. So when she got in the bed, it, it went, and she thought that was fun, but they got to live what sacrifice looked like and what it was. Another year, uh, my mother had passed away and we needed some more money because every year we kept trusting God and that level of sacrifice kept getting higher and higher. So we had to keep coming up with more money that we were committing to the Lord. I took my mom's depression glass and I sold all of those dishes for some money so we could make our payment, our commitment that we gave. The reason I'm telling you this is because it's easy. That voice in your ear says, I don't have a million dollars to give. I don't have a thousand dollars to give, but do you have a hundred dollars to give? Is that your sacrifice? Do you have $500? Do you have $5,000 to give? Do you have $10,000? Whatever it is you can give it, but then put a measure of faith on top of that to where you're reaching. You don't have it, but you're reaching. Now, let me tell you the greatest gift that God gave me back from all that furniture, from that depression glass and the continuation of sacrifice. Now, my children, there was an impartation between our spirit of sacrificial giving. It got on our kids. I will tell you not to brag, our kids give sacrificially every year. I'm not talking a couple hundred dollars. I'm saying thousands of dollars. Nixon's an evangelist. I don't know that he has anything scheduled next year. He gives sacrificially. Ripley, she's got a young family. They give thousands of dollars to the kingdom. Why? Because they caught the spirit of sacrificial giving through our walk with the Lord, our consecration to the Lord, our commitment to the Lord. I'm telling you, whatever it is that you sow tonight or however, whatever it looks like, I want you to know this is, this can be generational to your children. Nixon was five at the time when we started this. Ripley was nine at the time. They're almost, Ripley's 30 and 26. They're some of our greatest, bigger givers. That was a God thing. You want your children to be givers? Then you let that start in you and you let that impartation flow through you. I don't know if this is appropriate right now. You tell me if you want me to stop. I wonder if you could get together with your families, with your children. They may not understand it. You may not understand giving thousands and thousands of dollars. One day, Scarlett, you and your husband are going to give thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars back into the kingdom. 
So I want you to get together with your families and with your children. Not only are moms and dads going to lay hands on your children to catch the spirit, children, you're going to pray for your mom and dad that they don't lose a spirit of giving in their home, in your home. Don't be cursed. Amen. Keep giving. Would you move? If you don't have a family here, I want you to connect with another family unit that's here. Let's get, this is the family of God. Isn't it so beautiful? I wept when I came in here and I saw the spiritual growth and the intensity and the passion of your commitment to God. How you've grown since that first year we ever came here. Such a beautiful display of God's handiwork. Is everybody with somebody? I want to tell this church, your prayers touch heaven and they change hell. What you're praying for in your prayer closet, on, I don't know what night you meet together for prayer. Is it Tuesday night, Saturday nights? What you're, what you're doing on Saturday nights, it's changing eternity for this city. It's changing eternity from the region around this city. Amen. I want moms and dads, I want you to lay hands on your children and children. You turn and lay hands on your mom and dad. We're going to close our eyes, lift up your voice, lift up your hearts, and let's begin to pray and intercede for such a great anointing on giving. In the name of Jesus, oh God, would you loose right now the spirit of sacrificial giving, that it would be generational in this church. Oh God, that it would flow from the father to the mother to the children and back from the children to the mother and to the father. Oh God, let it be bestowed right now. God, I'm not just asking for what we can attain by the hundreds of dollars, but God in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, the millions of dollars that is going to be able to flow through this church family. God, open the windows of heaven and pour out your blessing right now. These are your givers, God. This is your people, Lord. You see their hearts. You see the sincerity. You see the inspiration. I pray it goes beyond inspiration and it gets into our spirit to continually be a giver every day, giving of myself in prayer, every week giving of myself in fasting. Oh, Lord, giving of my finances, of my time and my treasure, my talent. Oh, God, Lord, I thank you for a church family that obeys your voice. They obey your word. Thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do in Springfield and beyond. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, God. Thank you for generational training that's in this house today. Thank you, Lord, for an impartation, oh God, that's flowing. It's flowing and it cannot be stopped. We give you all the glory and all the praise, all the honor. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. They're going to give the first. Praise God. Okay. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. There's such a presence of the Lord that's here right now. Hallelujah. Let's just love him together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're going to give unto the Lord tonight our Christmas offering. If uh, all the families, if you can grab your gift and uh, we want to bring them up to the manger. We're going to give, and then I also want the, the children to come. They're going to sing. Praise. Hallelujah. that's okay you can put a check in you can give on the back kiosk if you give on the back kiosk please write out one of the cards designating exactly uh, how much and what it's going to and fill out the card and put it in here if you use that back there As you come and give, if we can gather around the front before we go tonight, we're going to sing together and just worship the Lord. What a tremendous word from God we've heard. Tremendous spirit of the Lord is here. And as we have given, I want us to come together as families and as the family of God together. We're going to sing to the Lord and wish him a happy birthday. Praise God.
together one more time tonight can you lift up your hands and lift your voice and let's just love him and magnify him happy birthday lord jesus lord we love you jesus we love you jesus we love you jesus hallelujah hallelujah oh thank you lord jesus thank you lord jesus praise god praise god praise god hallelujah we've heard from god tonight we receive the word of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. God bless you tonight. What a wonderful move of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Brother Dowdy, for following the Holy Ghost. Brother and Sister Dowdy, wish everybody a Merry Christmas during this season. And uh, you can be dismissed in Jesus' name.